0: Craft Beer Radio, episode 10, August 24th, 2005.
1: Welcome to Craft Beer Radio, the show for craft beer and the craft brewing industry. I'm Greg Weiss. And I'm Jeff Bear. This week's show is Imperial Stouts. Well, it's stouts that are seasonal. Summer released
0: seasonal stouts. Right. People were saying, you guys got to do imperial stouts, porters, stouts, porters, imperial stouts. Well, here's our show. We're going to do some stouts. And you know, we were going to make you wait off to the winter, but just a couple imperial stouts that are released in the summertime, so I figured it was a good time to review these beers. Absolutely. All right. Let's start off with a little bit of business, though. Business. Things we forget to put in the other shows, so now we right. have an official yeah. business category. We had a thousand downloads 1, of our last downloads.
1: show. That's spectacular. At yeah.
0: about three thirty, four o'clock today.
1: <laughs> There's nothing else we can do but thank you guys uh, for all the support. Uh, we really appreciate it, and it's it's always fun doing the show, and it's great that you enjoy it too.
0: Yeah, our listeners rock absolutely. One thing that we want to do is get a little bit of information about our listeners.
1: Right now, actually, Jeff and I had a lot of talks about this because we weren't sure if we were going to go this route, and whether this would be selling out. We we are spending a lot of money to do the show, just basically buying beer, equipment, whatever. There's the concept of we could look for sponsorship, but we don't want to sell out. We don't want to have anything that influences us. We don't want to do anything of that nature that would make it seem like we're not being genuine. So we figure we're going to go here and explain what we're doing
0: right now. We're looking for a sponsorship, preferably but not be a brewery but something else in the beer industry. right? People who buy sponsorships and advertising, they need to know the demographics of the audience. So we have a survey that asks some questions. It's on our website. It's all anonymous. We're not going to use the information for anything else other than the demographics on our website. We're not going to sell your email address? Right. We weren't going to collect any personal information at all. Well, individual identifying information at all. But we thought we could give away some beers out of my cellar. Sweeten the pot a little bit, right? Sweeten the pot. So... We do take your email address, but it is optional. You don't have to put it in. It's not
1: linked to any of the results, so we don't know what email address goes with that result.
0: We're going to draw three names from those people who put in their email addresses, and I'm going to send you something from my seller. not sure what yet. I'm not sure what I'm willing to part with, but it'll be something nice. (laughs) We're not sure how long we're going to run the survey for either. Probably three or four weeks, but if 75% of our listeners fill it out this week, then we'll probably have the drawing next week. Right. Because 75% is probably... Bigger sample than we need. You can go to our website and fill out the survey. That would be wonderful. That'd be great. Oh, well, thanks to everyone who's already found the survey. Yeah, Having, yeah. A
1: couple of people have already filled out the survey, which is great.
0: I'm surprised that many people actually browse our website. Being a podcast, I thought people would subscribe and just listen when it comes down their podcatcher. But I've had like 50 people put up the, fill out the survey since I threw it up. But well, I wasn't expecting to get more than four well, our website, before this announcement.
1: Our website is spectacular, so... Yeah, it's wonderful.
0: (laughs) Put so much time into setting it up. As long as we're promoting ourselves. On Podcast Alley, your votes from the last two weeks have really helped. Very much. Podcast Alley is a great way to get people
1: aware of your podcast because they have a ranking that's based on listeners' votes. The more people who vote gets your podcast to go up and up and up in the rankings. There are 5,000 podcasts there. There's
0: 6,200 now.
1: 6,200 podcasts there. We are ranked... 67th.
0: 67th, which is... Wow. What's great is that we're at 67 with only 5% of our listeners voting. Wow. Imagine where it could be if we could get 5 more percent of our listeners to vote. (laughs) Just imagine. We'd probably be in the low 50s or high 40s, I think, is where that would get us. Yeah. That would get us on the first page, the top 50, and we'd get even more exposure. The reason why we want
1: exposure is not because we want lots of money from sponsorship, but because we want to promote good beer as much as possible. And that's really what the show's about.
0: As long as we're promoting good beer, that's the number one focus of our show. Right. We're going to be doing the Oktoberfest style soon. And I'm not a huge fan of Oktoberfest styles. So I'm going to take suggestions from our listeners on which beers we should try for the show. I'm not
1: against Oktoberfest. I've enjoyed some. Some I've felt were pretty bland.
0: Okay. So, so let's have them pick the good ones. Yeah,
1: if you could send us some, some good examples of Oktoberfest, we could probably... You don't. You only have no, to send well, us names, suggestions. Just the names. I don't. I don't mean send us a beers. But I mean, if you want to send us beers, you won't <laughs> turn those away. <laughs> but if, if you just want to send us uh, some a good name, we can probably get it. For the most part, we can get the stuff, especially the stuff that's available in Pennsylvania.
0: Right. Keep in mind we're in Pittsburgh, so right. we have got to find what what's available to us here. Last bit of business that I wanted to bring up just before we finish here is that Basic Brewing Radio podcast. Last week they had a guy from Bryce Malting Company on. And it was really interesting. Did you get to listen to that yet? No. Okay. I just wanted to point out because any person who wants to geek out about barley malt should go listen to that. It was super interesting.
1: Okay. Sounds good.
0: Next, we're going to move on to emails. We got a lot of great emails over these two weeks. Hopefully, I got back to everyone. There was a couple that I didn't get back to for a while because I mismanaged what was replied to and what wasn't. I fixed that now. So, I should be better at getting back to everyone who emails (laughs) us. First email is Ben from Columbus, Ohio. He wanted to recommend a brewing company to us, Atlantic Brewing Company. He says it's great stuff. It's been his favorite for years. Hmm. A couple of beers he suggests is the Bar Harbor Real Ale and the Coal Porter. He also mentions that the Bar Harbor Blueberry Ale might be one of those good wife beers for starting out non-beer-drinking people to beers.
1: I remember our first show, the episode 0.9. We did the Imperial Pale Ales. And I think afterwards, we didn't have, we didn't have extras at that point, but I drank a blueberry ale. I think I gave you a sip or two. Okay. I forget which one it was. I don't think it was Blue Harbor or Bar Harbor. I, I enjoyed it. I had a good. I thought it was good. I think it went well with a sort of a mild ale, the blueberry taste. Okay. I don't remember it. <laughs> <laughs> Joel from uh, San Francisco Bay Area said that Sierra Nevada Brewery is considered a regional brewery. I think we called it a micro-brew.
0: Probably did. And we probably meant to refer to it as a craft brewery, but due to its size, its annual production, it's qualified as a regional brewery. Right. Which is, if I remember correctly, more than 30,000 barrels, less than 1.5 million barrels. I see. So
1: that's a a significant amount of beer.
0: He also mentioned about our question about using different yeast for bottle conditioning, Mm -hmm. where I said that Belgian breweries like to do that to obfuscate their proprietary yeast. And he also mentioned that a lot of breweries will ferment with one yeast and bottle with a different yeast for character, certain aspects of either the fermentation or the bottle conditioning.
1: It's, yeah, I, I can see that.
0: I guess I kind of discounted that theory. You sort
1: of glossed over that in yeah. a sense. Yeah,
0: I'm sure it's true. And the more it's, I thought about it, it the it more sense reasonable, it makes. Yeah. So. It sounds
1: completely reasonable. Rob from Ohio says that he's interested in setting up a beer cellar. When he thinks cellar, he thinks of his uncle's hole in the ground
0: with a wooden door where he stores home canned goods. He wanted to know if a cool, dark basement was sufficient. Do the best thing you can do. If you're in an apartment, you're going to have to use a closet on your first floor. Right. And you're not going to be able to refrigerate or anything. So you just got to find the most steady, dark, cool place you can. I use a basement downstairs in my townhouse. It's a lot warmer than cellar temperature should be. It's probably 78 degrees right now. Well, the past couple of days it's been cooler, so yeah, it's, it's down. But right previous here. to that, it's probably been in the mid to high 70s, which is a lot warmer than I'd want it to be, but I don't have any options. Now, ideally, you'd want to keep it at cellar temperature, the low, mid to low 50s. If you have a really expensive setup, you could do some kind of humidity control. Humidity is not that important with capped bottle caps. With some cork beers, humidity is kind of important. You don't want the corks drying right. out, but a lot of them use synthetic cork now, so it's not as important as it used to be.
1: But basically, anything you can find will do in a pinch.
0: Right. Next email, Al from Minneapolis. He wanted to ask us why we called the Witbeers (laughs) Witbeers. That's my fault. I was kind of
1: overcompensating. We thought we were smarter than we really were. Yeah, I was overcompensating for the W as V because I know that's the way it was with Hefeweizen. And I just kind of, for for whatever reason, not a real logical reason, but I just sort of extended it on to
0: Witbeers. Now, the problem is Witbeers are Belgian. Hefeweizens are Are German. German, In Belgian, you don't pronounce Ws as Vs. Yeah. So he pointed that out to us. So pronunciation gate continues.
1: Maybe I'm German. Maybe that's the reason. (laughs) No, I I will uh, from now on pronounce it as And I think
0: I used that clip in the promo. I'm going to have to go and change that out now. (laughs) He also wanted to comment on our comments about spicy food and beer. He manages an Ethiopian restaurant. Ooh. And I'm not familiar with Ethiopian food. I've had Ethiopian food. You can be good
1: at a lot of bread, a lot of this sort of uh, interesting bread that has, they give you other food with it and you sort of wrap the bread around the food and eat it
0: that way. He started out talking about spicy food and he's comparing, saying that a lot of people think Thai and Indian, but Ethiopian food goes good with hoppy beers too. He recommends Bell's Two-Hearted Ale, but he's also very vocal about, Promoting Belgian beers with his Ethiopian food, hmm. he gave us a whole long list of all these beers they had on top, and it sounded like a pretty cool. Place I mean, that to
1: go. that's great. And we mentioned before that how great beer works with food, and how we wish that more restaurants would have beer with food. In some ways, it's better than wine with food because there's so much more taste you can get out of the juxtaposition of the beer with the food, whereas the wine you're kind of getting you're getting a lot of taste, but you're getting sort of a, everything is kind of. Sp- worked into bright, white, or red. White goes with this sort of food, red goes with this sort of food. Whereas a whole bunch of different beer styles can go with a whole bunch of different foods. Maybe I'm
0: being overly simplistic here and somebody's going to yell at me, but there you go. Okay, the next email we have is Drew from St. Paul, Minnesota.
1: sent us a very long and interesting email about the great taste of the Midwest, which we talked about a couple of times, which is a brew festival. A lot of interesting stuff going on there twin Floyds of Indiana had
0: 12 beers. I'm pretty sure he meant three Floyds because he mentions Alpha King. Oh, okay. Down. 12 beers there. A mild saison to a
1: sextuple. A sextuple?
0: Never even heard of a sextuple. <laughs> I could imagine it six times as much grain in an Abbey-style beer, but my I mean, goodness. I I can't imagine,
1: but I want to try one. A founder's drop flavor bombs left and right, he says, with the breakfast out, which... Man, I really want to try We're that. We're going
0: to have some soon. Really? Yeah. Jeffrey T from the Good Beer Show is that's, sending me some beer. That's
1: great. Man, I can't wait for that.
0: Triple IPA, uh, Red's Rye. I heard about this Devil Dancer, this Triple IPA. Uh-huh. It is insanely hoppy. Someone told me the IBUs, but I forget. It's like 200 IBUs or something crazy like that. And it's uh, 13% or something Might as well like just that. bite into a hop. <laughs> I think it was 200 they told me. Bells had a tiki party.
1: Showing off their soft and fruity beers. Tiki Party's always good.
0: He says soft and fruity beers, but then he mentions how a double goes very well with a little umbrella sticking out of it. You know, I so, could actually see that.
1: Yeah. I could see that working. Uh, Summit represented with an on-cask oatmeal stout. Uh, and I love cask stouts. I really do. He said
0: this one was a little thin, but it was definitely drinkable.
1: New Glarus Brewing One of the ones he mentions Has a tasting of their enigma but he says A of their sour brewing And cherry red That sort of sounds Like a Flanders red Which is uh, Like What was the name Of that beer That we had
0: Rodenbach oh, the Rodenbach yeah.
1: Rodenbach Which I had uh, Just the other day
0: We got Fitkers Of Duluth, Minnesota They're a brew pub Up in the frigid north They're showing off Their <laughs> warming beers They had bold Oatmeal And imperial stouts They had a single Double and triple He was disappointed They didn't have Their wheat wine This year
1: so, all in all, just a, a bunch of really interesting stuff. It sounds like a great time. Wish I could have been there. Yeah,
0: we're going to have to do something. Yeah, some way to get out
1: there. Who knows? Because that sounds like a
0: great, I was a, great fest. I was dreaming big the other day, and I looked up airplane tickets to Denver for the Great American Beer Festival. <laughs> uh, but I don't have 300 bucks to spend to go to the beer <laughs> festival. Yeah,
1: and I just spent all my money on my Japan trip, so... Yep. Not going to have any time soon James from Charlotte, North Carolina asks when pouring a beer how much head is ideal Does beer style matter for head And he also asks How much is a barrel Because we always mention how much
0: a brewery puts out In terms of barrels, how much is a barrel no, We haven't defined barrel enough Probably should do that yeah. every couple shows If not every show I think we did that in the beginning but Well for the head style Or the, the amount of head I would say typically about three quarters of an inch Would be an ideal head And it does depend on the beer yeah. And also the glassware that it's in some beers, like Belgians or wheat beers, in the proper glassware for those beers, your head could be two inches thick, even more sometimes. Or even
1: like but some, some glassware, like a, a double in a big tulip glass, essentially not a lot of head. You don't right. really expect that kind of stuff. So it, it depends on style. But like you say, typically three-quarters of an inch. The head is helpful in distributing aroma, which is 80% of taste. So, it's always good to get that head out there.
0: And a barrel. I did a little research just to make sure I had all the information right. Right. And apparently, a liquid barrel is 31 and a half gallons, which, interestingly, is half a hogshead.
1: Oh. <laughs> I wonder how they came up with that one.
0: But a barrel of beer is just 31 gallons, and that was due to tax law definitions in so, the United States.
1: 31 gallons is a barrel, so just multiply the amount of barrels by 31. And that's how many gallons.
0: Right. And just to relate it, the keg of beer that you're used to seeing at picnics and stuff, that is a half barrel. It's called a barrel, but you never see beer distributed in a barrel-sized container. It would weigh like 300 pounds and just be way too heavy. (laughs) Okay. Well, that's emails for this week. Thank you very much. We're going to move on to news. If you want to send us email, you can always reach us at beer at craftbeerradio.com. On to news. We mentioned last time West Veltrin. It was in the extras, actually. We mentioned it because Heather brought down the printout when we were doing the extras. Okay. And we said that there was that news story going around that West Veltrin was going to stop making their, their 12, their 8, and their blonde because it was so popular. And we're like, oh, no, that's <laughs> horrible. World's most popular beer on both Beer Advocate and Rate Beer, and they were going to stop making it.
1: And That'd be bad. Well, but fortunately, they're not.
0: You know, the story was misinterpreted. What really happened is, yes, the popularity is way up, and yes, they stopped brewing, just like they do every month in July. Mm -hmm. They take a sabbatical every year, and they go on retreat in July, and they start brewing up in August, and they're making beer again. What they did change was how much you could buy. I never knew you could get this much. I thought it was a lot more limited already. (laughs) Apparently, if you bring your car to the Abbey... Used to be able to get five crates of, I think they're talking about the blonde in this example. Now they'll only let you get two or three crates. 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 Is that roughly like a case? Roughly a case. There was a picture of a crate in the article I was reading, and it was a little wooden crate with a bunch of bottles stuffed in it. And I don't know if it was more than 24 or not. It was hard to tell. How much does their beer cost? I
1: know, like, a, a, a bottle of West train around here is going to be pretty expensive.
0: Well, it's not distributed here. Right. So you'd have to get it from someone who. Imported it, but there's no legitimate importer, so it's almost smuggling. I don't know if it's probably kind of legal. I don't know. I, I think it's legal to sell something you own. The two that I have were both given to me, so I don't know what they cost. I hope I don't think they cost too much, or they would have let me know and I could have reimbursed them.
1: <laughs> maybe someone, um, maybe one of our listeners has bought Lesflation, nice and so if you have, hey, just send us a, send us a note, and we'll give it out to everybody. How much this awesome beer costs, which I can't wait to try.
0: Right. Next news story: a Federal judge has handed down a split decision on the case. I think we talked about it in the past. A guy in Texas had a beer called Starbuck, and Starbucks was pissed off because they thought it was interfering, interfering with the trademark, in the copyright, right, and confusing to the consumer.
1: I guess you know, someone
0: might think, "Is this a Starbucks beer?" His trademark was Starbuck beer, not even just Starbucks or anything, mm-hmm. but. It's a split decision. He's allowed to keep selling it in Galveston, the town, but he's not allowed to expand. He had plans on expanding his tavern to other towns, and he's not allowed to sell the Starbuck there. Or sell it as Starbuck. Right, as Starbuck. Now, I'm like, oh, Starbuck beer, it's his own beer. It's not. It was a. It's a blend of two different beers. The Shiner which is pretty... No, and I've heard of it, I think you probably have two. I don't know. And the Lone Star beer... No, I wanted to look up the ratings on these because I heard Shiner Box okay, but I mean Lone Star Beer sounds just like your you know, football beer canned beer. On the beer advocate they're rated not recommended and avoid. <laughs> so blending these two together, I don't think the guys I don't know. It just doesn't it's not a craft beer story, that's certainly
1: And the idea that you could trademark a blend of two beers that you didn't even make? Yeah, it doesn't sound right. It doesn't sound right at all. That'd be like That'd be like you taking...
0: Um, I'm going to trademark my blend of <laughs> Hop Devil and Edmund Fitzgerald.
1: <laughs> That'd be like you, t- you making it a uh, black and tan with Bass and Guinness and then selling it as your own... <laughs> just Bottling it and then selling it as your own, like putting it under pressure again or something.
0: Weizen Bear Beer.
1: <laughs> Pyramid Breweries announced a major branding campaign to introduce Americans to their wheat beers, which they say is the fastest growing Weizen brand in the Western United States.
0: They're implementing two new beers. They have an Apricot Weizen and an Amber Weizen. But the curious part of the article is the beginning it says it includes a new breakthrough packaging for the craft beer industry. At the bottom of the press release says, consumers will also enjoy a new cutting-edge packaging for Pyramid beers, complete with information that speaks to the credibility of the fastest-growing Weizen brand in the Western United States. Now,
1: what did, that's just marketing speak for blah, blah, blah. I mean, really doesn't mean anything.
0: Yeah. I was thinking, oh, aluminum bottles, cans, something interesting for craft beer people. But no, they're going to have a pyramid-shaped six-pack holder or that's something. That's probably retarded. what it's
1: going to be. I mean, they're not going to have pyramid-shaped... Maybe they'll have like a Capri Sun. <laughs> they'll just they'll make their own little containers.
0: Capri Sun. Hey, you can make them out of um, silver material that wouldn't let light in. Yeah, you can put them in your
1: pocket. There you go. at sure that that would be delicious. Under pressure, Those hands <laughs> really well.
0: Next piece of news: Anheuser Busch is reportedly eyeing the NFL beer sponsorship. I just thought this was a little bit interesting. Coors is up with theirs. They paid $300 million in 2002 for the rights. To the official beer of the NFL, essentially. Official beer of the NFL. What this really gives them is it lets them use the NFL shield in the Super Bowl logo in their advertising. Mm -hmm. That's it. It's it's a lot of money for that. And I
1: wonder if even among the people who enjoy the American pale lager,
0: if that really resonates at all. It's all about impression, though, you know. Oh, the you know the football players, you like, you know, the, this beer supports the NFL, it supports my team, and I like my team, so I'm going to support this beer. I suppose. i got to think the Twins have a la- more lasting impression. I would hope so. <laughs> looter's Raid crashed beer train.
1: This is an interesting story. This weekend in uh, South Africa, Waterfall Boven, 200 kilometers east of Johannesburg, there was a crashed beer train, and hundreds of looters... Came and police had to hold them back. From... They were
0: trying to steal beer. There was 180,000 crates of beer on this train. 500 of the crates got actually got stolen, and one lady died. Apparently, she fell under the wheels of a truck. Okay, this next story. There's a brewery in United Kingdom called Green King. I'm not familiar with them. I have heard of Old Speckled Hen. It's one of the beers they make. Yeah. They bought Bellhaven, or agreed to buy Bellhaven, which is a pretty good. Brewery out of Scotland, Scotland's largest independent brewery, right? So now they have their Green King IPA, which is the country's number one selling cask beer, and the Old Speckled Hen, another beer called Abadale and the Belhaven series of beers. Pretty big beer news for yeah. United Kingdom. It's it's pretty interesting when like their biggest breweries make good beers and our biggest breweries make <laughs> you know whatever they make.
1: Well, then we have a, a, an interesting tradition because mostly because of the prohibition that caused the beer to be so consolidated in this country uh, that turned everything into this sort of this this pale pilsner pale imitation of a pilsner You could almost say.
0: Yeah it's a good point for those who don't know before Prohibition there were small breweries in every town of the United States and made all different kinds of beer and a lot of that was forgotten few breweries were able to hang on throughout Prohibition by making things like root beer other things near beer so a lot of made cheeses I think Yingling made cheese during Prohibition. Hmm.
1: I know that the Coors, they made a lot of malt, and so they sold malt beverage, and they used—I don't know whether the story is totally apocryphal, but they used porcelain for the caps for their malt. And they had a porcelain plant, and they became very involved in U.S. defense contracts for porcelain for satellites and that kind of thing, military okay. stuff. They sold off their porcelain business a couple of years ago, I think.
0: And after Prohibition, there was only a handful of breweries that opened back up. And some small ones, like Yingling, but Anheuser-Busch and Plank Road hmm. and those other big breweries went up and gained a huge market share from there up into micro-brew revolution in the 70s. And
1: without a lot of competition, they were able to just
0: you make the cheapest beer they could. There wasn't demand for the good stuff. Right. People didn't remember it, but now things are changing. And it's a it's a golden time for the craft beer <laughs> enthusiast. Speaking of craft beer, here's a story that... It's probably a little bit old, but I think it's kind of relevant again. Flying Dog Brewery has, uh, I think they re-released their Gonzo Imperial Porter. It's a beer that was in tribute of Hunter S. Thompson, who died Mm -hmm. a few months ago. The Gonzo journalist. Yep, He was just buried last week, and I think they put out the second batch release of this for his burial. Was he buried or was he
1: fired in fireworks? He
0: was was supposed to be shot out of a cannon, but they couldn't get the permit for the cannon, so Johnny Depp built this big fireworks castle thing and they blew them up in fireworks or something like that. Johnny Depp himself built it? Johnny Depp paid for
1: it. I can just see Johnny Depp working all day, man. Like on a monster house, just (laughs) slamming nails into stuff.
0: The uh, Gonzo Imperial Porter is 9.5% alcohol, comes in 12-ounce bottles and 750-milliliter corked and cage bottles. There's also a collector's edition beer with labels signed by The Artist, which are available only at the brewery. I'd like to try it. Yeah, it sounds interesting. We're we'll going to have to keep an eye out and see if it's right. Yeah. this release makes it out here. The last news uh, story of the night. We have a lot of news tonight. <laughs> yep. We had two
1: weeks of news, so I guess that's where it comes from. Miller is dropping their test of a fruit-flavored malt beverage. Now, this is interesting because last time we mentioned that Budweiser is going to start marketing
0: a fruit-flavored. They were starting, starting their test. Right. And Miller's just given up on their test. Well, now,
1: they were starting fruit beer, and this is fruit-flavored malt, malt oh, beverage. okay. You're right.
0: So, you know, it could be a little bit different. This, the beverages here were popular in South Africa, and S.A.B. Miller, big company out of South Africa, thought they'd try it here. They marketed it in a couple markets, uh, Richmond, Seattle, and Tampa. Didn't sell. Some of the flavors they had were strawberry, mango, lychee, le- and kiwi. Not quite sure what lychee is, or lychee, or whatever it is. On to our new fan favorite segment. What, what beer MR MR MR
1: MR. I wonder if this is a fan favorite that the crazy sounds we are putting in. Why not? <laughs> we had a lot of winners from last show. Uh, Adam, Al, Ben, Bill, Bob, Brian, Corey, Chris, Jeff,
0: John, Matthew, Ray, and two riches. Two riches. So I made it too easy. The answer was Bell's Expedition Stout. Yes, the Imperial Stout. Which is a wonderful. It's probably my favorite Imperial Stout. And we'll see if that changes tonight, but I don't think it will.
1: Well, I can't wait to try it. We actually have one that we're not trying, which is the Yeti. Oh, the yeah,
0: Oak-Aged Yeti. Yeti from Great, Great Divide. Divide. Oh, man. Oh, There's also an honorable mention I wanted to mention. Shannon wrote in. She guessed Avery's the Tsar Imperial Stout, which was surprisingly similar to my clues. I thought I cut them off with my 40th degree parallel, right. but they were like 40.012. But I said 11 point something percent alcohol, and theirs is like 12.4. So. I see. But it was
1: honorable I haven't tried Avery's. It's pretty good.
0: So this year's, or this week's, what beer am I? It's going to be a little bit harder, a little bit trickier. Clue number one. Clue number one. I am a wheat wine. Okay. Wheat wine. I am brewed on the Lunar New Year and tapped on the Summer Solstice. That's an interesting clue. If you know where to look, you might be able to correlate that to something. Yeah. Yeah. My original gravity is 1.100 specific gravity. Okay, it's
1: kind of hard to figure out where that comes into play, but all
0: right. I'm hopped with Warrior, Simcoe, and Amarillo Hops. Yeah, interesting. And the final clue, I hit the big time in 2003 at the Great American Beer Festival. The Great American Beer Festival 2003. Interesting. So if you have any guesses, you can email them in to beer at craftbeerradio.com. Sounds good.
1: All right, well, let's move on to the show itself, which is about Imperial Stouts. Well, it's about summer-released summer release
0: Stouts. It's a little hodgepodge since we have two Imperials and one regular Stout. But for the style sheet that we always talk about, a style of beer, we're going to talk about Imperial Stouts tonight. An Imperial Stout, it's a, it's a dark, strong Stout. Mm-hmm. A lot bitter than a normal Stout, hoppier than a normal Stout, higher in alcohol than a normal Stout. That has a lot to do with the history. the history. This is where the Imperial... Name comes yeah, from yeah the whole imperial moniker that's been used in IPAs and now in all kinds of brown things. ales, brown ales, Scottish ales, so you know whatever you know wherever you get the imperial this is where the moniker came from. Beer was originally brewed in England for the Russian Imperial Court, and for the export for the travel to the Baltic states and to into Russia they had to make the beer stronger, right? So it wouldn't spoil. Same reason mean. they had to make the IPA stronger. I see. That's a wonderful beer. It has warming characters to it. The ones I like have a lot of mm-hmm. more alcohol warming. Very roasty, chocolatey, a little bit burnt. Malty. Yes, very malty. And, but it's also pretty bitter. Uh, it typically
1: is a very full beer.
0: It, very full mouthfeel, rich. Some of the details about this beer. Its alcohol typically range from 8 to 12%. Mm-hmm. You would typically drink this out of a pint glass or a sniffer. Depends on how strong it is. The weaker ones would be good in a pint glass. Right. Some of the really strong or aromatic ones would be great out of a sniffer. For food, it's primarily it would be good to be paired up with chocolates, desserts, things like that. And there's not really a good cheese comparison for this I can beer.
1: I can sort of see that. Cheese really probably... Well, let's try it and let's see if we can think of any cheeses that will work with it. One thing that I, we should probably cover is what is the difference between a porter and a stout?
0: The porter is the older style.
1: Okay. The
0: porter... Was a beer made with roasted barley, roasted malted barley. Mm-hmm. So it's like your pale ales and your brown ales, but just the grains are roasted darker, so it came out darker, has that roasty, smoky flavor to it, a little bit bitter from the roast. The stout is a newer variation of style where they added unmalted roasted barley into the mix. I see. And that's the primary distinction between porters and stouts is that unmalted barley. And the malted, the malting process. What that does is that you, you germinate. You start to germinate the barley seeds, and it creates an enzyme which helps with the mashing process mm-hmm. when you want to turn the starches into sugars. And it, it does a whole bunch of changes to the beer. More than I knew. Um, how I mentioned at the Gingo show, check out that basic brewing episode here again. If you wanted to learn all about malting, yeah. you need to check that out because it's more than I can cover.
1: And we'll put a link to Basic Brewing Radio in our show notes. Sure. Okay, well, that's very interesting stuff. We're going to move on to our first, which is not an Imperial, but a regular American stout. I was down in Maryland recently, and I saw this beer at a bottle shop.
0: This is Blue Ridge Stiefel Stout, which is brewed in Frederick, Maryland. The reason this beer has qualified for tonight's show is it is a spring seasonal stout.
1: It has an alcohol of 6%, so it's not exactly a a small, low-alcohol beer. I mean, it, it's a, it's a pretty strong stout. It's... Won several awards, won the People's Choice Award in Brickskeller, D.C., the silver medal at the Cheers One World Beer Festival, silver medal at the World Beer Cup in 1996.
0: Frederick Brewing Company is bigger than I thought. They have a annual production of 40,000 barrels. I was looking at their website. It was kind of confusing. I think they're a contract brewer. They mentioned pen even on their thing, so I don't know if they brew some pen there. Oh. I, I tried to find more information, but I wasn't able to look it up. They listened to, some, listened to some other breweries, and I think they might contract brew. Okay. I'm sure someone in the Baltimore area who knows will let us know. And what you get, you know, you're
1: looking at this and you see a, a dark, very dark beer. Not a great deal of head, but it it is it is opaque. Yeah, Light it, is not it's getting black, through this beer. but
0: there is a little bit of ruby highlight towards like the bottom edge of the glass where you've got a very little bit of beer between the glass. I see some ruby highlights. Yeah, I can
1: see that too. I see what you're saying. It, it's nice and thick. It has a thin brown head. Really has some interesting aromas coming off. Almost, an, a, almost an oak aroma.
0: It has a little bit of a burnt aroma to it. It's kind of the aroma that you typically get out of imperial stouts. So maybe this is more fitting than we thought. Yes, it's quite fitting yeah. for this show. <laughs> I mean, this beer doesn't have the alcohol; it's at six percent, but it has a whole bunch of. I'm getting some coffee flavor, coffee I'm in whole there. A bunch of roast flavor. Yeah,
1: a lot of roastiness that comes. Uh, a lot of roastiness that comes around. Sort of, I'd almost say in
0: a band around your, the back of your tongue. Long after this beer is gone, I'm still breathing it in over my tongue, and I'm getting more and more coffee now. This is a very aromatic beer. Mm-hmm. Really, it's really very
1: noticeable in the back of your tongue. There's kind of a, a bitterness. In the front of your tongue is tasting this sort of coffee maltiness. It's coming through. And I it, it almost tastes like I can taste some of that sort of oak in there. I don't I don't think this is oak age, but I can sort of it, it tastes like it almost it has that character to it.
0: Yeah, I'm tasting oh um, it has a whole bunch of that roasted barley flavor. Yeah. You know, when I make beer, I always chew on some of the grains and this tastes really close to eating some raw roasted malted barley. A comparison, you know why I said I like that? Bell's Expedition stout a uh-huh. lot. This has a lot of the same dark, dry, roasty flavors yeah, that does. the Expedition does. It's, it's very similar and not having the alcohol. It's, it's not a, quite as creamy as the Bell's. The roasty flavor wise, yeah, it's very similar.
1: i say it has sort of a, a, a lighter mouthfeel than the Bell's but it, it's got a very very good flavor, very drinkable.
0: Yeah, it's still quite chewy. I wouldn't say it have, has a thin mouthfeel by any means. It's thinner than, than the Bell's. Yeah. basically all
1: I'm playing yeah i'm trying to figure out if there is a cheese that would go with this and i think a cheese would probably change it too much
0: i mean some kind of cheese dish like a brie with some strawberries or something might go with it cheesecake cheesecake would go with it for sure but chocolate chocolate with this oh yeah i mean delicious
1: this is uh a lot like a lot like a, a mocha taste it's, it's, there's a sort of darkness this this Dark sweetness that comes through That's very much like chocolate It's pretty good Yeah,
0: it's it's a pretty good style It's a hmm. It's definitely a, I love when you try a brand new beer From brand new brewery And it turns out this good yeah. That's good stuff Did you say everything here about The brewery started in
1: 1993 I don't think I mentioned that uh, their website is frederickbrewing.com Frederick is spelled F-R-E-D-E-R-I-C-K
0: I wasn't able to get any gravity bitterness kind of hops used. I didn't have time to email any of the breweries this week. So well, this beer has a tremendous coffee aroma to it Mm and flavor. I've had coffee porters that haven't anything. Yeah, haven't
1: had this. I'm getting a letting this sit. If you just sort of let it sit on your tongue and breathe air, and you get more of that just flavor, just kind of wafting around in there, really lays in the tongue well. Give you this nice, nice sweet finish. That's not terribly bitter.
0: Yeah, I, it, has, it just keeps going over your tongue, and more roast, and more coffee, and more co- chocolate notes. It's oh, so good.
1: <laughs> we don't know where this is distributed. I don't, we weren't able to find it around here. I was glad to be able to find this while I was in Maryland. So any of you who are in Maryland, look for it. And You'll, send
0: more up this way.
1: You won't be disappointed. Well, our next beer is Peg Leg Imperial Stout. This is another Maryland beer. This is from Clipper City Brewery in Baltimore. We've done Clipper City before. I think we did uh, their Pale Ale. Or their Amber Ale. It
0: was the American Pale Ale episode.
1: Which I think we both enjoyed. This is an Imperial Stout. Available August to November. 8% alcohol by volume. Clipper City is distributed in Maryland, Virginia, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, Massachusetts, Connecticut, and Ohio, with an annual production of 12,000 barrels. And this one is pouring, again, a very dark black with a little bit of amber notes, just sort of what you would expect out of this style. The head is a little bit thicker than the Frederick, with about a half an inch or so. And this one is interesting because I'm getting more of a hoppy aroma from this.
0: Yeah, it's a little hoppy. It's, you know, you were expecting something similar to the last beer we right. had, since now we're actually drinking Imperial Stout. And it doesn't have the uh, the roasty chocolate coffee flavors that you were getting out of the other beer. I'm just sort of getting sort of a,
1: yeah, a, a, a hoppy aroma, maybe a little bit of um, orange note on there almost.
0: The beer does have a fuller mouthfeel. Yeah the i'm wondering if we're not able to pick up the roastiness that is in this beer because the last, because one, the had last so one was much so much more roasty. To it.
1: This one it just it it is more hoppy. It has an almost fruity flavor to it.
0: Yeah, I was noticing some kind of fruit in the center of the taste there, I wasn't able to pick out exactly what it was yet.
1: Like I say, I'm almost tasting almost almost an orange. Some sort of citrus flavor in there. Which is strange because it doesn't really have a, a citrus hop. This is hopped with Fuggles and Styrian. Yeah, so it
0: should be a pretty traditional. earth. Those hops have earthy characters yeah. to them normally.
1: So, so most of this uh, flavor is probably coming from the yeast. Not, again, I mean, you're expecting more maltiness, but it's not really coming out. It's very smooth beer. You can taste more of the alcohol on it. You get sort of that alcohol burning in the back of your tongue and the front is sort of dominated by this flavor, which is distinctive for an imperial stout, this fruitiness that's coming.
0: I'm still trying to, like, what kind of fruit is that? Is that this? Is it that? I'm not able to pick it out clearly, but it starts out with the fruit, and you get a little bit of the warm at the end, which is... I could see this as a summertime imperial stout. Mm -hmm. It's a lighter-bodied beer. It's, It's not bad. It's not my favorite imperial stout, but for the season that it's out... There's no not too much. Con- well, I guess there are year-round Imperial styles you can get. Old Rasputin from North Coast all year round. Right. I think Rogues is out all year. I believe. So I wonder you find others, but
1: wonder if this is some if, if the reason why it's is tasting a little bit different. It's hard to place. Is as I'm letting it, it sit in my mouth a little bit, I'm getting more of a grapefruit taste, and I'm wondering if the grapefruit with the malt is kind of making this interesting flavor.
0: I'm getting a little bit of the grapefruit, I suppose I wouldn't call it spot on grapefruit, but it's similar it
1: 's the closest thing I can imagine because orange doesn't quite fit it the orange The reason why I say orange is I think because of the way the alcohol is flaring around the sides is giving a push towards that citrusiness that you get from a really bright orange flavor, yeah, but the flavor doesn't quite match an orange
0: yeah it's It's an interesting beer because I won 't say it's bad. I saw the rankings on some sites and I thought. After drinking this, I think it's underrated on where I was mm-hmm. looking. Uh, it's, if you're comparing it to Imperial Styles, it's not going to win an award. But if you're looking at standalone in the summertime, summer release Imperial Style, mm-hmm. it's, it's an interesting take on yeah. the style.
1: It is different, and you always like a beer that's going to try something a little bit different. You're going to try to play with the style a bit, see what they can come up with. Yeah, I don't know whether I would order a case of this. But I'd certainly have one or two at a bar sometime in the summer when I wanted something that wasn't necessarily an amber ale. And you
0: were sick of the Hefeweissens yeah. and the summer Pilsners and Ambers. Yeah, this is a good change of pace.
1: This is, in a sense, this is what a summer-brewed summer, a, a summer brood imperial is all about. Giving you not quite the traditional imperial, but a little bit something that's, that's geared more towards the summer, but still has the hallmarks of the imperial stout
0: style. Yeah, I'd say that's exactly it. There's one other Imperial style I would have loved to have gotten on the show, but we were too late. It's gone. Is the Great Lakes blackout style? I don't know if we've ever had Great Lakes on the show, even though it's one of our favorite breweries. No, we have not. We need to get them on here. the uh, The blackout style, its name comes from a funny little story. What was it? Four or five years ago, there was that huge blackout in the Northwest, from like Toronto, Ontario, through. Mm-hmm. Michigan and Ohio and here in Pennsylvania yeah. we lost power too. And That's right. I was in Cape Cod
1: at the time. I remember we didn't lose power. Because I, I was it was during the summer. I was in Cape Cod, and everywhere else on the coast they lost power, but just parts of Massachusetts didn't lose yeah, power. I think so New it York, okay. I lost power yeah, in New, New York York's everywhere. Yeah,
0: and well, they brewed a black beer in in honor in honor of the blackout, and so they came out with a summer imperial style too. I've had that beer both on draft and in bottle. I think it is much better on draft. Maybe I should try bottle a few more times on the show. Obviously, we mm-hmm. would have tried it in bottle if we could have. wasn't able to locate the stuff.
1: As this warms up, I mean, it, it was pretty warm because we, we served these warm anyway for the most part, not very cold. But as this kind of warms up in our hands, some of that freeness and I guess as we taste more of it. Some of the fruitiness is going away and more of the alcohol, more of the maltiness yeah. is coming through.
0: I got like a sip left. Greg just finished his and you get a lot of the alcohol warming out of it. And I'm not complaining because that's one of my favorite yeah. parts of these Imperial Stouts. That's the reason I like the Expedition and the Old Rasputin are two of my favorites because they have more warming than, say, the Storm King or the Brooklyn Black Chocolate Stout does. Mm-hmm.
1: This was a really
0: interesting change
1: of pace from the first one, from... The Frederick. So we'll see what happens next when we try. Well, yeah, the we big didn't tell bad people boy. what
0: this was yet, did we? This is
1: uh, Stone's Imperial Russian Stout, which this is actually their 2004
0: edition. Yes, yeah, so it just came out not too long ago, but our bottle shop D's put out some of last year's bottles. So that will be nice having uh, an Imperial Stout that's been aged for a year.
1: Yeah, we can sort of. We don't have this year's to kind of see what the difference is but this has been
0: aged a year we'll see how it tastes yeah. stone in there they're fun fun labeling stuff you know. <laughs> interesting says, yes limited early summer 2004 release Bogartsky while you can <laughs> at the bottom it says product with a k p-r-d-o-u-c-k-t product of usa comrade because it's a russian imperial style get it
1: ha <laughs> ha one thing that's funny about the Stone beers—they're all silkscreened on the bottles. They just recently released their ninth anniversary. I think we talked about this.
0: We talked about how their anniversary beer on yeah. the back, on the back of every bottle, they put a little story on arrogant bastard. They tell you how you can't, you won't like this beer. And on the Stones, they just use the biggest vocabulary you can imagine with all these weird words every single year. And Greg showed me a picture of the back of the ninth anniversary,
1: which has a lot of interesting words and hey, it's funny because they're they're so interested in language, yet they have a quote at the bottom of the beer, which is attributed to Gandhi. Well, they spelled Gandhi wrong, so I just find that was funny that they're so interested in language they spell Gandhi wrong. Oops, <laughs> and
0: the silk screens there's nothing they can do about it. This beer looks delicious. <laughs> Look at the head on this thing. The head is one of the darkest heads I've ever seen. Yeah, this one is pouring. Uh, just Just really dark, and, yeah, the head is is dark, too. This has, I don't even have it up to my nose yet, and it has a roasty, smoky aroma to it. It reminds me a little bit of the Alaskans. I just caught a whiff of smoke that reminded me of the Alaskan smoke porter. Yeah. And I haven't even pulled it up to my nose yet. Here, let me give you the rest of this. All right. This is a 22-ounce bomber, so we get almost a full glass here. Let's really enjoy this stuff.
1: I mean, when when you put that last bit in there, I mean, just this blackness sort of envelops the head where it was. (laughs) Yeah, I'm getting a lot of maltiness out of this one. Sort of this, uh, almost the smell of uh, malted milk balls. I think
0: I've used that one before. I'm getting a bunch of dark roast smell out of it. The head is just amazingly dark. It is as dark as chocolate milk. It is a mouthful of flavor.
1: Which you would expect out of stone. Uh, You you immediately hit with... The first thing it tastes is, is just chocolate, just straight-ahead chocolate. Then it kind of evolves into more of a malted barley sort of taste that hits you around the tongue, goes back into the back where it becomes more alcoholic
0: and just warming. My first sip, the alcohol was actually more subtle than I expected it to. And maybe as it warms, as we get more used to the other flavors, it'll come out more. But my first sip it didn't stick out as much. The alcohol in this beer... Is listed at 9.4%. 9.4%. That's a lot of alcohol. Actually, that was 9.4% was this year's on one of the sites where I was oh, doing right. my no. research.
1: that's right. No.
0: This is 10.8. That's what it was. The site I was doing my research, it said 10.8. I went to Stone's website and said 9.4, so I updated my list here. So this one is more higher enough. does not taste like it's that much more than the peg leg, mm-hmm. the alcohol-wise, the warming you're getting out of it. And you'll notice with some Imperial Stouts, they do a really good job of hiding that warming. Black Chocolate Stout is a fairly strong beer, and yeah. you, there's almost no warming flavor in that at all.
1: That's true. And what's interesting to me about this one is that the other one sort of left you with other lingering tastes. The, the Frederick left you with sort of a lingering coffee. The Peg Leg left you with this lingering, lingering fruit. This is leaving more just a lingering bitterness.
0: Yeah, I'm getting a little bit of black licorice in the aroma, the lingering mm-hmm. aroma afterwards. Just, a, yeah, a little bit of that sort of anise-like flavor. Yeah, I got a whole bunch of that in this sip. We'll see what next sip reveals. <laughs> As is typical for Stone, this is a very bold beer. Oh, Stone rocks. <laughs> Greg thinks they tend to overdo every single one. He's mentioned that in the last show, or the previous show before that. I enjoy being bowled over by flavor on occasion, mm-hmm. and this is a good good example of being bowled over. Yeah,
1: this is... I'm not going to say that I don't enjoy it, but... I am going to say that this is one of those beers that you have one of, and that's enough.
0: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, not just drunk alcohol-wise, but your taste buds are begging you for vacation after you drink one of these. You are being absolutely assaulted taste bud-wise with this beer. And it's a good thing
1: because every once in a while it's good to have that. But this is not a beer you can drink. You would buy one bottle of this, and that's enough. You don't want to buy a case worth of this stuff.
0: Now, could you imagine comparing this beer to Samuel Smith's Imperial Stout? <laughs> Samuel Smith's is the English brewery, and they make a traditional uh-huh. Imperial Stout. And this thing is probably quadruple or quintuple Imperial compared yeah. to a traditional English.
1: Yeah, this is very, very American in style. Uh, it's going to bash you over the head with as much as they possibly can. Well, she's stone style. I don't know. I mean, I'll, I'll be totally honest with you. Like all stone beers, it, it's kind of getting a little bit
0: overwhelming. Yeah, it's it's work to get through this beer yeah. to get to the bottom. It's just flavor, flavor. <laughs> and it's 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 horrible to say. It. Too much flavor is uh, is unfortunate. But uh... <laughs> I'm glad
1: we did this one last because it would have been tough to to get through all this, and also not just to get through it. Just I mean, not because it's difficult to drink, but next if we had beers after this one i mean they'd be just totally drowned out because of all the flavor this one's giving us
0: wanna try a pilsner next <laughs> how about a light american
1: lager yeah let's put let's get a budweiser select up here <laughs> hey it wouldn't taste
0: bad then <laughs> it tastes like nothing at all yeah
1: yeah this one whew. i think this would really what what this needs is it needs some ice cream. It needs something to kind of to help it along. Some sort of food. Hmm. Chocolate cake. But then again, I don't know if this would be too filling.
0: Um, I'm trying to picture. I see the other two I could see going with chocolate and some kind of dessert better. This one would stomp on that cake. Yeah. And I mean, it would literally st- Step out of this glass and put its boot right on the cake. We make it sound bad. Make this beer sound like it's not right, but it, it's good. But you might need three people to finish up on it yeah, just because you just want a little bit of it.
1: Yeah, I don't want this much. I mean, I have more than half the glass left, and I don't know if I can finish it just because it's it's so much. It's, so, it's, it's, it's like a, a cake that's so rich, it tastes really great. But you don't want to finish a whole slice, <laughs> right? That, that's exactly it. I, I, th- I think that that's really the issue here. Is that and they give you such a huge bottle of this. I mean, just imagine trying to finish this off with one person. We put this up between two people and we're having trouble finishing it. So that'll give you an idea. If you like a really strong flavored beer, boy, howdy, you're not going to get much stronger
0: than this. Now, granted, we did have two other beers, three right. beers before this, actually, because we had the Hefe in the, right. the opener this was our only beer for the night, maybe up, well, 11 ounces each, you know, that probably would go down pretty easy, but as the cap for the night, it's pushing our limits. Definitely. So you want to get into the ratings? Yeah, let's go for the ratings. I think this is a pretty, pretty sure to rate. easy show sure to rate, exactly. You want to go first?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, I, I had to put Steeple in front. Steeple, for me, was a, the big surprise of the night. And really, I loved it. I thought it was great. The, all that coffee flavor, all that great chocolate coming through. Then, you know, this is where it gets kind of difficult because we're having trouble finishing the stone, although I think I may have liked the flavor a bit more than the peg leg initially. But I'm going to go out of a limb and put peg leg in front because of the nature of the show, which is the seasonal summer, imperial. Summer release stuff Right, and this one, I mean, if I wanted a, a, a different... A different taste. I went to a bar. I had maybe an amber. I had a half a, I wanted to try something different. This would be a great beer to go along with that. Or as it's, a st- a,
0: it's a very good point you made about summer release stouts. This stone imperial stout, after drinking it tonight, I would not want to open another one until it is cold and snowy yeah. outside. Now, either of these other two, next week, yeah, give them to me. Yeah. But that stone, I'm going to keep in my cellar until it's cold and snowy. Mm-hmm. It's just put out in the summer. It's, I can't imagine they intend you to actually drink it in the summer. Though. <laughs>
1: and this is, and this has been sitting around for a year, so this has had a chance to mellow and it's still this strong and, and this powerful. Yeah.
0: I think since we called it the summer-released stout show, I'm going to have to go the same. The Frederick Brewing Blue Ridge steeple stout first mm-hmm. surprised the hell out of us with yeah. all the flavor and the roastiness and the coffee and the chocolate that it had. Peg Legs second, It didn't kill you with flavor, but it was a nice drinking stout, imperial stout, for the summertime. And it didn't kill you with alcohol either. And the stone, while delicious, is not a summer drinking stout. You need a foot of snow on the ground before you can crack this thing open (laughs) and drink it.
1: And have three people over when you do it.
0: I think if it was their first beer or only beer, two people could split it nicely. Yeah. We're drinking pure old stouts tonight. That's true. We haven't done that lately. I or. almost... I, you know, it's funny because I almost do one
1: like an amber or something. Just kind of wash everything away and just bring it down.
0: I think for summer release stouts, we'll have to do it this way. But I want to preface the stone with saying it is delicious. Yeah. It's just not this time and of year it, to drink it. It um, might be for me a little bit too rich for my blood. Too rich for my taste buds. I'm getting the... Uh, right now with the aroma on the, the stones, I'm getting the traditional... Um, imperial stout flavor where you get some hoppiness out of it
1: yeah yeah i agree You get a
0: little bit of the alcohol that's evaporating and sitting in your glass and it's the smell that i expect to find in those imperial stouts and it's good it's just man that's a big beer right there <laughs> not big as in size but big as in full and flavorful right. and like i said i need a foot of snow on the ground before i drink another one of those i agree
1: Well, in Pittsburgh, we won't
0: have to wait too long for that to happen. No, we won't. I think uh, we're going to be in eternal darkness here in another month or so, right?
1: (laughs) Something like that. Well, I guess that's it for the show this week.
0: You know, we haven't decided what we're going to do next week, but we'll figure it out. I have a little bit of an idea, but we're going to to see if I can find the stuff. Okay. So thanks for listening, everybody. Yes, thanks a lot. And you can always email us at craftbeerradio.com. Vote for us on
1: Podcast Alley. Yes, vote for us for Podcast Alley. Leave a comment if you want to on Podcast Alley. i read those two.
0: Yeah. I'm just curious who the person is wrote, These Guy Rocks. <laughs> well, thank you. Or is it This Guy's Rock? This Guy's Rock? That's what it was. It was This Guy's Rock. This Guy's Do Rock. Hey, maybe he was having a beer. Maybe. All right. Thanks, everyone. Thanks a lot. I know that I know I wanna... That's all for Craft Beer Radio. If you have any questions or comments, email us at beer at craftbeerradio.com. And feel free to send us an audio comment in MP3. Our intro and closing music is "Lameface" by Feeble Wiener. You can find a link to Feeble Wiener on our website. Craft Beer Radio is released under the Creative Commons license. Check out craftbeerradio.com for more information.